Hey, this is Pastor Brian. I want to welcome you to the Reach Church Podcast. We hope this message helps and encourages you wherever you are in life and brings you closer to Jesus. We hope you enjoy the message. If you would, turn your Bibles with me to Genesis. Genesis chapter 12 is what we're going to be going through this morning. And um, we're going to read 1 through 10, but we're going to read the first eight verses first, and then we'll dissect that a little bit. And I want to say thank you to all those that helped at VBS. Come on, we had an incredible VBS. Where's our, Haley, you can stand up. Thank you for overseeing that. She did incredible. Uh, you know, it was an incredible success. Thank you for all those I served. Y'all gave your lives for that for three days. I mean, literally, like, gave your life. Like, you know those kids are like, like um, they're like suckers. They just suck the life out of you. So, like, you really did give your life. <laughs> Talking about you. <laughs> Oh, man. So thank you. If you're new to church this morning, we want to honor you. We want to give you, we just want to say thank you for showing up. We believe that there is something so unique in your life that God wants to do so much more than you may even realize. And it's our, it's our ambition and desire to help you discover what that is. So welcome to Reach Church. Genesis chapter 12. Let's read this. It says, the Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country your relatives and your family's family, your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will, I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on the earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham, so Abram departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old. Come on, somebody. It doesn't matter how old you are. God can still direct your life. And then he goes on and he says this. It says, he took his wife, Sarai, his nephew, Lot, and his all his wealth, his livestock, all the people he had taken into his household at Haran, and headed for the land of Canaan. When they arrived in Canaan, Abram traveled through the land as far as Shechem. There he set up camp beside the Oak of Morah. At the time, the area was inhabited by Canaanites. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give this land to your descendants, and Abram will, and Abram, okay, and Abram built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord who had appeared to him. After that, Abram traveled south and set up camp in the hill country with Bethel to the west and Ai to the east. There he built another altar and dedicated it to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, for a man who was obedient to you, that was led by your spirit, that was guided by your word. And Father, I thank you this morning that we have a church full of people who are willing to go where you ask us to go, do what you asked us to do. Father, I pray that this morning you would tenderize our hearts, make us teachable to your spirit. Father, allow us to be like Abram, and God, as we live out our lives, God, that we would make you more famous today than you were yesterday. Come on, if you believe that, you can say amen. How many of y'all know taking notes is how you remember things? So I would encourage you to take out your phone, take out your pad, begin to write notes, and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you about you, to allow you, you, the Holy Spirit to speak to you about whatever it is that he's wanting to speak to you. So the title of this sermon, are you ready, is this, is your, it's your life, God's plans. Your life, God's plans. That right there is a big, it's a, that's, that's a lot to say there. And as I was reading this story, and I was just, meditating and asking the Holy Spirit, what does he really want me to speak on? I begin to think about how many of y'all know that y'all have those people in your lives that when you go to travel, like they call you and they're really excited about it. Hey, this is what I think we should do. And they have like this list 
of like dates and times. It's like at 8 o'clock, we're going to have breakfast. At 8.35, we're going to go out and we're going to look at the ocean. At, at 9 o'clock, we're going to go back into the house. We're going to put our things. And they have these like crazy schedules, right? And then you're like, where, where do we fit in like any spontaneous stuff that we want to do? Like whale watching. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like I was really hoping to do that. Uh, you know, like I was wanting to watch the sunset. Too busy. We got our lives so, and I feel like, like that's what happens oftentimes. Imagine if Abram would have been like, God, I, I really appreciate you wanting me to do this, but I've got at, at 12 o'clock, I've got, a, I've got a, of an appointment. And I feel like sometimes we can get so scheduled in our lives that we leave no room for God to speak into it. We live our lives so busy that even if God wanted to insert an opportunity for a miracle, our lives are so busy that it would be a miracle of a miracle could happen in our lives. Really, like we are so busy, we are so scheduled, our lives are so rigid and so whatever that it would, be, it would take a miracle for a miracle to happen. But Abram is different. Abram is like, I, is who I want to be. I want to be like Abram. I want to be a man that when God asks me to do something that is uncomfortable to what I'm used to, that takes me out of a country that I'm familiar with to do something different than I've ever done, that I'm willing to say yes. Because this story we read, and the problem is, is we can read his story from the end and go backwards. You and I don't really get that. Abram didn't get that privilege. And the reality is, is right now you're living in the now and you don't get to choose and read your life from the back end and see if God was faithful. You have to trust God today and say, is God faithful tomorrow? Yes or no. And that is going to be a huge factor as to whether you go or no. You see, I, I believe that the Lord, it says the Lord had said to Abram, this is the Lord speaking and asking him, leave your native country. That word native for us is comfortable. That word native to us is predictable. That word native to us is, is the word secure. Leave your place of security. Leave your place of comfort. This is what he's asking because understand in those times what you did is you did what your dad does and you built a legacy, you built a company, you built things and you stayed there and you stayed by and that's how cities grew into becoming great nations. And now Abram is being asked to do something that none of his other family has been asked to do. And so many times we govern whether God is obedient, whether we really hear God based on whether our family has experienced that. But what if you're like Abram and God is asking to do something unique with your life because he wants to do something unique with your life? The reality is oftentimes we don't see what God is capable of doing in our lives because we don't give him the opportunities. Abram was able to become the God of, let's say this with me, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because he was willing to go. And many of us want to be, we want to have these types of legacies. We want to be known for the men and women that follow God, but we have to be willing to say yes when everybody else is saying no. When everybody else is staying with their job and you're having to leave, or when everybody else is walking away from something and you're having to stay. Like you have to do something different. And this is what Abram is experiencing. He says, leave your native country and your relatives. 
Some of y'all are glad about that. <laughs> You'll get that later. Okay. Your father's family and go to a land I will show you. See, all of us would love to be obedient if he would give us the journey, but he doesn't do that. And then he also, he, pro- he promises that I will make you and I will make you. In other words, he's saying, look, you can be this, but you won't be this until you're willing to trust me when you're nothing. We want to we become something, but oftentimes it takes the risk of being nothing to become something. Abraham became the God of Abraham. I mean, Abraham became the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because he was willing to go when it wasn't predictable. How many of us are we're so set in our ways and our lives, like, nope, God, this is what, and we're telling God what we're going to do. This is what was happening with Abram. Abram was like, okay, God, wherever you want me to go. But he does this fascinating thing as he leaves out. In verse 7, he says this, Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give this land to your descendants. Oh, Holy Spirit. Ooh, okay. I missed this, the first one. God is asking you to go somewhere so he can give your kids something. See, all y'all are worried about you. And God, God is worried about the legacy behind you. See, he, wanted, he said, I'm dedicating this, and I will give this to them if I can get you to go there. And y'all are so worried about your comfort and your place in life right now, and God is saying, no, if I can get you to move, I can get this into their hands. I missed that. The Holy, sorry, Holy Ghost. All right, then he goes on. He says, and, and Abram built an altar. He built an altar there, and he dedicated it to the Lord. And in verse 8, he uses this word, which is used right there maybe for the very first time in the Bible. And they worshiped. See, here's what I've learned about obedience. Here's what I've learned when God asks you or me to go somewhere to do something, that when he says that, the first thing that comes to me is worry. It's to try to figure out, but what if his voice doesn't come through? If I take this job, how can I still provide for my family? If I take this thing, if I do this, I have to figure out what I've got to do if it fails. Does anybody else deal with the fear of failure? Just me? Okay. Oh, we got a couple of honest people. Cool. Good deal. Good deal. Good deal. Thank God we're in the room with some, some people. Right? Like, when God asks me to do something, my initial Emotion is not yes, it's worry, it's fear. It's concern is how will I provide if this happens? And this is what Abram does. Abram gives you a life hack. Y'all like life hacks? You TikTok and you got all those life hacks. I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't know you could do that. Well, I'm giving you a life hack that'll really help you instead of ruin your life. Abram? Shows you this is how you get obedient with God. You learn to worship. Because here's the thing. You can do one of two things. You can worry or you can worship. But here's here's this first point that I want to kind of throw up at you is this. Is that worry or worship will determine the level of your obedience. If you live in a place of worry, you will continue to remain stationary not willing to go anywhere, not willing to do anything for the Lord. It's as you begin to worship that that faith gets on you that you're willing to say, okay, God, I'll go to hell with a water pistol. I'll do whatever you call me to do, God. I'll go where you want me to go. It is as you allow worship 
to, to resonate in your life that you begin to say, okay, God, I'm willing to go. And some of you all are putting way too much equity in worry. And if you would get to a position of worship, all of a sudden you're going to have the faith to be able to leave and go where he's calling you to go, to do what he's asking you to do. See, hearing still requires you doing it. It's not good enough just to hear what the Lord is telling you. Some of y'all are so satisfied that the Lord spoke to you. And you're like, oh, the Lord asked me to do something. So what? Because hearing and doing are two very different things. And some of y'all are so satisfied with the fact that the Lord spoke to you and you're sitting on it in worry and God is saying, what are you going to do with it? I've spoke to you. I'm asking you to do something. But we are like, oh my gosh, I heard the Lord say this. Okay, when's the last time you heard the Lord say this and you did it? You allowed it to become an action. James 1.22 through 23 says this, but don't just listen to God's word. It is not sufficient enough just to listen. He says, you must do what it says. Here's the thing. Maybe God has stopped speaking because you've stopped obeying. God is waiting for you to obey the last thing that he told you before he can give you a new assignment, a new instruction. Like it's like, well, God, how come you haven't spoken to me? Because you haven't done what he's told you to do the last four months. The Lord just quit talking to me. No, you stopped listening and doing. And then he goes on and says this. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. Did you know we can fool ourselves? I fooled myself. I'm like, yep, Lord, I hear you. And then guess what? It's like, I just forget that he said it. And I, I never did it. I'm guilty of hearing and not doing. But I want to get to the place where for my life I hear and I immediately say, yes, Lord. Okay, I'm willing to have that conversation. Yes, Lord, I'm willing to confront that. Yes, Lord, I'm willing to go where I don't want to go. And then he goes on and says this, for if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. And then all of a sudden you forget who you are again. See, hearing is still required. But doing is even more necessary. See, worship and worry, they create two very different. Think about it. What, what does worry create in you? Think about, think about the influential characteristic it does in your life. When you begin to worry, what do you start going through? All of the areas of where you could fail, where you could mess up, where it won't come through, all of these different things, right? That's what worry does. The more you begin to worry, the more you begin to talk yourself out of what you know that God is telling you to do. I mean, have you ever sat down and been like, okay, I'm just going to go through all the things I should worry about, <laughs> And how many of you know it's so easy to have like a list of like two pages, front and back, front and back, of why you should worry? I mean, that's what Abram is dealing with. Everybody looks at Abram like, oh yeah, he just, as if he didn't worry about his wife and being able to take care of her, as if he didn't have to worry about, I don't even have a GPS, I don't have an iPhone or uh, what are those things called, Androids or something. Uh, I don't have a way of getting, it would have got you lost anyway, but... You know, it's like, some of y'all are offended. You'll get over that in a minute. But like, he didn't have things to direct his life other than the voice of God. 
And, and see, there's a list of things that you can worry about, but what happens when you begin to put yourself in worship, you begin to see the way that God sees. It begins to put glasses on your, on, on, on your lack of faith. It begins to bring clarity to where God is trying to take you. Like right now, if I take my glasses off, I can't really see who's in the back, and I can easily be fearful of what I cannot see. But when I get into worship, he puts my glasses on, and now I can begin to see the way that he sees, even though I don't see everything. See, that this is one thing that this scripture shows us, is that if we're going to be obedient, it's going to require this. The closeness of God is a necessity to move in obedience. The closeness of God is going to be required for you to be in obedience. Notice that in the Israelites, whenever Egypt... The Israelites left Egypt. What, once they got to a camp and then they got into the wilderness, what led them? A fire and a cloud. That they moved at the level of their closeness to whatever that was. And some of you are trying to be obedient, but yet you're not close. You're not intimate. Yes, you've given your life to Jesus, but you're not obedient. You're not in an intimate relationship with the Father. What am I saying? Here's what I'm saying is, is my, my daughters, Jaylee and Anaya, if I go somewhere, I say, let's go, and they're in unfamiliar territory, if it's a house they've never been in, if it's a, a situation that they've never been in, as long as daddy goes with them, they'll go. And here's the point is that God is wanting to take you on a journey in your life, but you're only going to go where you know that the father's close. So when you're distance, when you're not being obedient, it's oftentimes a direct connect, connection with your intimacy with the Father. When you're not wanting to move at the rate that God is asking you to move, it is not a faith thing usually, it is an intimacy thing. Because here's what I know, my daughters have never questioned me whenever I've taken them, they've always held my hand and gone wherever I've gone. If you're a parent, you know this. Now as they get older, they kind of resist, but that's just stubbornness. But here's what I want you to understand is that closeness is a direct correlation to obedience. See, if you're going to be guided, make sure that you involve God in the process. It's not just enough for God to ask you to do something and then you to go do what you want to do. It's making sure that God is aware and he's available and he's connected with you in the process. I mean, if you have a guide, if you're doing whatever guide service, like you don't have them, they guide you through the whole process. They don't get you started. They take you through the whole thing. God isn't going to just say, hey, this is what we're going to do, and then he leaves you. He's going to guide you through the whole process. Where Abram went, God went before him. I know we hear that, and we're like, oh, yeah, we, we assume. But I want you to know that right now, if God is speaking over your life, and he's asking you to go somewhere to do something, he's already in it. He's with you, and he's already in it. That's the cool thing about God. You know, God's, here's what I've learned about Abram. God's voice was enough. All of us want to be like, okay, if I go wake up in the morning and the sun's red, okay. If I wake up in the morning and it's dark outside, like we have, oh, if I go outside and I come across the person, they're carrying red balloons, okay. Like we want these things. Do you, know what, do you know what took Abram? His voice. Yeah. It took Abram's voice for Abraham to override his fears of the unknown. 
Y'all got to go to therapy, and you got to you got to get the word from the Lord, and you got to make sure you have 17 prophetic words, and you got to have this. I mean, where have we gone? Where God's voice is not enough for where he's taking us. See, we got to get to the place where it's one voice that matters, that when the Lord speaks, thus saith the Lord, and we go and we do what he's asking us to do. That's what Abraham had. He didn't have, hey, Siri. He didn't have Google. He didn't have these things. He was able to trust the Lord. I think some of these things have actually got in the way. They've created static. Wow. They've, created, they've created things that have, that have distorted the voice of God. And we can't hear the voice of God because our lives are so busy and so planned and so this and that that we can't even hear the voice of the Lord. But what would, we, what would it look like if we were beginning to begin to allow the voice of the Lord into our jobs, into our relationships, into our families, into the things that we do? You know, have you, here's the thing that, as I was evaluating this, have you become so settled in your life that God is more questioned than obeyed? Have you become so settled in your life that God is questioned more than he is obeyed? Notice you don't see any question marks with Abram. He says, okay, this is where I'm going. It doesn't mean he didn't have questions on the way, but at least he's on the way having questions. Have we become so set in our ways that we're like, but why, God? As if God should have to prove to us why we should go. Sounds a little narcissist to me. Sounds a little like I'm God, and I'll let you know what I want to do. Sounds like my life, my plans, instead of my life, God, your plans. See, we, we go to college, we go through all of these different things, and if, it, if college doesn't line up with the will of God, then it's not the will of God, really. If we go through all of these different things and we put all of our money and energy, could it be possible that you missed the Lord? Could it be possible that it was... You who miss the Lord, I don't think the Lord misses himself. I don't think he read miss, oh man, I misguided them. No, sometimes we get so zealous and we get so set in our ways that we get so, so stubborn that we're like, this is what I'm going to do with my life. And then guess what happens? See, this is what I'm wanting you to learn from the life of Abram. This is so different than the first service. Anyway, okay. <laughs> Verse 10. See, Here's the thing is that when God asks us to do something, we base whether we were with God or not based on comfort. Oh, man, look at this. I knew it. I was, it was tough, but now, okay, now it's easy. Now I'm, I'm in that. Right? We define obedience based on, it's on conditions. Oftentimes, whether we hear God or miss God is conditional. Well, if I don't go through pain, then okay, I got it. Let me teach you something. Verse 10, it says, at the time Abraham is being obedient, a severe famine hits the land. So can you be in obedience and still deal with lack? Can you be in obedience with God and still be going through suffering and pain? Theologically, wrap your brain around that. Because right, we would assume obedience means God's going to take care of every need and we're not going to have any issues and we're not going to struggle. Could it be that God is still requiring you to be obedient and contingent and dependent on him? Because we assume that, oh my gosh, once we get into the will of God, everything's going to get smooth. 
as if being in the will of God is not rough sometimes. As if being in the will of God is not challenging. Here's what I want you to understand, that when you are moving towards steps towards faithfulness to God, there's an enemy that steps in between you and says, no, 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 I don't want you to, I don't want you to step into the will of God. But then sometimes it's just simply to redirect your life. You go through Mary with Joseph. They get there and they had the baby and it's like, oh, now I need you to run. Guess what? It was a setup for a setup. It was a setup for a promotion. And sometimes you don't understand why you're having to go through pain to get somewhere because God is wanting to promote you. But in order to promote you, he's got to navigate you through something. And we can so easily be like, oh, my gosh, I'm in a famine. I knew I missed the Lord. My gosh. And we go back to our native country. Instead of learning the reality that, you know what, sometimes being in the will of God stinks. Sometimes being in the will of God is painful. Sometimes being in the will of God is lonely. But I would much rather be in the will of God and in pain than being in the comfort zone and not in the will of God. What am I saying? Obedience today doesn't eliminate problems tomorrow. Just because you're in the will of God doesn't mean that tomorrow is not going to be painful. Doesn't mean that it's not going to be challenging. See, we oftentimes relate pain with disobedience, right? I must be in the disobedience. I mean, I look at my life, look what I'm going through. No, you could be in the very will of the Lord. Disobedience and pain do not necessarily go together. If you're in sin, you know you're in sin. And if you're in pain because you're in sin, just admit it. Right? Like, we know that. We know sin equals fun for a moment and pain sometimes for a lifetime. That's different. When you know you're in the will of the Lord and you're going through something, you just got to love it. See, here's what I I love about the Lord. Y'all know where God is asking you to go and he knows what you're about to walk into. And what you're about to walk into doesn't stop him from asking you to go. Abram... I'm pretty sure that the Lord knew that Abram was going to be walking into a famine. He didn't say, oh, Abram, I'm so sorry. I didn't, I just, I overlooked that famine. No, the Lord knew that he had a famine coming up and he still asked Abram to do what he was asking him to do. And, and this is why you need to read your Bible. Because you get, you get life hacks about the nature of God whenever these things happen and you're going through something and you're wanting to abandon ship and you're like, oh my gosh, why, why, what do I I need to, I need to, oh my gosh. And you start questioning because you're going through discomforts. You can be discomforted and still be in the perfect will of the Lord. Obedience is based on comfort. I mean, obedience is not based on comfort. It's based on calling. And we oftentimes forget that because we don't necessarily correlate we're called when we're not in ministry. But you're called as a mom, you're called as a dad, you're called as an employee. You're called as whatever you are, you still have a calling. And if you mix comfort with calling and calling with comfort, you're going to live a life very confused. Because oftentimes it's based on our obedience. We're like, oh my gosh, obedience. Obedience isn't based on your comfort. If that's the case, then why did he let Abram go through a famine? Because that's pretty uncomfortable. Right? I mean, why, why is he letting him do that? Because it's not based on his calling, I mean, his comfort. It's based on, I want you to become and known as Abraham, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And there was a calling on his life to have a legacy 
and a lineage of men who would serve God and it would come through the heir the of Christ. And here's what you've got to understand is your calling is so much bigger than you. Abraham, it didn't just stop with Abraham. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He's letting us know God's a generational God. He thinks calling long-term, not short-term. It's not just about you as much as we want to make it about us. It's not. What God is doing in your life right now, what God is doing through me and Alicia as a married couple has probably way less to do with us right now than it has to do with Jaylee and Anaya and their spouses and the next generation and the next generation. Let me just say this. What God is doing with Reach Church right now has a lot less to do with me and way more to do with Centerton in the next 17, 25, 45, 55 years that there's a church established for a city that needs to know the presence and the person of Jesus. And while we may be the ones who started there's going to be a great legacy on the other side of it that are going to continue to remain being those people, the Abraham and the Isaac and the Jacob. Amen? See, when life isn't moving or going the direction you think it should, we oftentimes stop moving and start questioning. Where are you at in your life? Are you questioning? Are you moving? Are you put on pause? Like, where are you at in your life? Because God could be, here's what I've as I've looked at my own life and I've evaluated my life, I thought too small of me a lot of times. To be quite frank, to be quite honest with you, the fact that we have a church, that we have two services, that we have a church that's growing, I never dreamed that would happen. I didn't think that was possible. But here's the deal, is that God sees things bigger than I see in myself. God sees bigger than you see in yourself. And I'm thankful for that because I would have put my life in a smaller category but God. And so here's what I want to say is that God could be redirecting your life because you think too small of who you're called to be. Abraham Abraham could have stayed in that city and lived a life of, of of seclusion and not done anything. But God saw something way more unique in Abraham than than he saw in himself. And God is trying to let you see what you're called to and what you're capable of, but you got to begin to move with him so he can show you what is in you. See, your life isn't, I'm going to say this, and you can take it how you want. Your life isn't about you. Your life isn't all about you. I know you're trained and raised up to be that way, but your life isn't all about you, and that's what shows and proves out here. It's about a generation. It's about a legacy. Here's what I've learned is that sometimes life isn't always about going, it's about staying. Do you know that sometimes, I remember when our church had this big implosion about nine years ago, and all I started calling all these mentors that I had, and I said, this is what happened. This, he said, you need to abandon ship, you need to run, you can, I can get you a church, I can get you a youth pastor position here, it'll be a huge church, they'll take care of you. In that moment, it was way easier to abandon ship and to run and to be obedient that way. It took way more faith for me to stay and build a church than it did for me to run and go, you know, connect to a church. And what I'm getting at is that sometimes what God is asking you to do is to stay put. And it takes way more faith to stay put than it does just to run and to go something else. Because now I look at what I did not have and what I could not do, and now I see God 
Thank God that I stayed because I would have missed out on the miracles that you wanted to do in people's lives, marriages that you would save, marriages that would happen, kids that would happen. And I look through the church and I see generations and legacies all because we were willing to stay to do something that everybody else was telling us to run from. And I say that for your own lives, that what is God asking you to maybe stay in that everybody else is saying, well, uh, statistically, there was a lot of stats that we could have gone on. But thank God that the voice of the Lord stands true. Whether that is leaving somewhere or that is going somewhere, that's up to you and the Lord to speak to your life. And this is why it's your life, God's plans. Here's the question that I always try to give at some point. Write this question down and answer it. Seriously, answer this question at some point this week. Take time. And just think about it. Ask the Holy Spirit. Here's the question. When will God be faithful enough to get obedience from you? When will God be faithful enough for you to finally get obedience from you? Because we tell people God is faithful, but we haven't moved in years to do what he's asked us to do. So what, what is it going to do? At what level? What does God have to do for you to get you to be obedient to him? All right, wrapping this bad boy up. Psalms 37 Verse 23 through 24. This is what it says. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their life. That is a beautiful passage. If you're godly. (laughs) Though they stumble, they will never fall. For the Lord holds them by the hand. This passage means so much. Because there's a key word that he uses here. That oftentimes we could miss if we're not paying attention. Because how many of you know when God speaks to you, we want the journey. We want the big picture. But that's not what the Bible says he does. The Bible says that he, that he gives you a step. A step is just enough for you to see until the next step. See, the godly, there's a significance as to a step and godly. So here's the third point so then I can get into all the good stuff here. But this is important because God will give you enough to get to the next step. That's what we, you, have, you and I have to know that God will give us enough to get to the next step. You're going to have everything you need to get from one step to the next step. And see, steps can seem so insignificant, right? Like, like let's say, like, if I do this, if I, like, I take one step, that's pretty insignificant. That doesn't really mean much to you or to anybody else unless God asked me to take that step. Because when I take that step, While it may be insignificant to you, and it may be insignificant to everybody else, what it tells God is, I trust you. So then when I take the next step, 
what I let God know is, God, I trust you. So every step that I take that he highlights and illuminates that he allows me to take, it is me declaring to him, God, I trust you, even though I don't know where I'm going, but you have not given me the full journey. All you've done is lit up one step, but I trust you. I trust you, God. See, the righteous care about what God wants for them. The righteous care about, God, what, it is, what is it that you want for me? See, I think we've filled our lives with so many things that are insignificant that are actually hindering us from being willing to take the steps. Because how many of you know that it's rare that I've experienced that God's plan lines up with my plans? I remember when I got called into ministry. That was not my plan. That was the farthest. I didn't even know what ministry was. But I'm so thankful that sometimes God had to wrestle me and argue with me and do whatever to get me to take that step. Like, you know, when you get someone like, just, you just want to just push them? That was me. I'm like, okay, I trust you. <laughs> with a big push behind. But don't fill your life with so much of your own plans that God doesn't get a say in them. Because it is your life. I get it. And you can be selfish about it. It is your life. I'm going to marry this person. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to have this. And you can do that. But you're going to end up going all the way through life, living your life, missing out on God's plans. And it is my heart that I wrote this sermon so that if there is something that you're saying, like, this is my life, this is what, that you would allow the Holy Spirit to say, you know what? God, I realize that I have my life planned out, but I'm realizing I need to let you in on this. I've been building my life, doing what I want to do, but I haven't really asked you what you want to do in my life. It says he delights in every detail of your lives. Isn't it sad that so many people just, they don't really even get to see the fact that they let God in on anything? When God is like, let, tell me about your stuff. Like, if you've ever got friends and you've got relationships with people, you're like, when they have something happens to them, when something happens to you, you're like, yeah, tell me about it. That's God. God is literally wanting, he delights in every detail of your life. And yet many times we get convinced that God doesn't care about our lives. That's anti-Bible. The Bible says that he delights in every detail of your life. I mean, there are details that I don't want to hear about from my wife. I'm like, okay, cool, glad I'm talking to some friends about that. Like, there are, but God is like, yes, tell me. I'm like, that's incredible. God, you're amazing. God bless you. I mean, really, God bless you. He delights in every detail of your life. And though you may stumble, you. You're not going to fall. You're with me. How many of you know mm, you fall when God's not with you? When you, God is up here and if you fall, 
God can't get to you. God can only sustain you in obedience. That when you fall, but you're walking, I got you. I got you. And then you guess what? You get back up in confidence. Okay, even though if I fall, it's got me. Because so many of us, if we go back to the first point, it's about worry, it's about falling. But if you read the last point, it's about being caught. It's about the Lord catching you even if you do fall because when you fall, you fall in obedience. I'm preaching so much better than y'all are aiming in. That's okay. We got next week, a week after that, a week after that. So we can say we trust God until he asks us to leave something. We can say we trust God until he asks us to take something, until he asks us to go somewhere, until he asks us to stay somewhere. Like we would all like to say before, oh, I'm definitely, I definitely trust God. But do you really trust God? You guys can stand. This is the prayer that I want to pray. I believe that there are many of you who are in worry about the step that God's wanting to take you and about the journey that God's wanting to go in your life. I mean, as Abram, I couldn't imagine as Abram gets farther and farther away from his native country and what was once comfortable and visible is getting smaller and smaller, risk increases. I can't get back there as fast as I would have. The farther he gets away in obedience, the harder it gets. And what I sense is that many of you, you've taken the journey, you've gotten there, but it's getting harder and harder to trust him. And what you're going to have to do is trust the voice that spoke to you. And believe that what God said, he said he will do. I believe that there are some people in here this morning and you have known what the Lord has asked you to do but you've been in worry instead of worship you've been allowing worry to be the very thing that you that is it, it reeks in your house it reeks in your life it reeks in your mind God is saying when will you when will you take my voice and you will begin to worship me for giving you what I've asked you to do so this morning, if that's you, just say, that's me. I've been, I know God is speaking to me. I, I know that I, I'm supposed to do something. I know that I've been allowing worry and fear and failure and all of these other things to stand in the way of being led by his voice. I'm going to pray for a grace and a strength on your life this morning. If that's you, I want to ask you to slip your hand up. You say, that's me. That's me. I've allowed worry. I've allowed all of the others to overshadow your voice. Because if God is speaking, God is speaking for a reason. So Father, I lift up every life in this room this morning. And God, I thank you, God, for the things that you see that we don't see. Father, that you are aware of where we're going. 
Father, I pray that you would give this church, these people, a level of faith to take the step at a time. That, Father, that as you direct the steps of the righteous, God, that they will move at the rate and the pace of your guidance. That, God, that as you illuminate it, we will take the step. That, Father, as we go into a famine, we will believe, God, that you will get us through. As we go through the different situations, God, where the land may be full of Canaanites and it is so full of everything else, I think that we will be confident that you are our source, that you will supply every need according to your riches and glory. Father, I thank you, Jesus, this morning, that, Father, that we would be people who say yes to a God who is faithful. I thank you, God, right now for increasing our level of obedience as we increase our level of worship. That, God, that you would take us from here to there, from glory to glory. And, Lord, I thank you, God, right now for the Spirit of God to, 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 to settle on the hearts of your people. Let the Holy Spirit, the same one that defeated death, hell, and the grave, God, rise up on the inside. And, Lord, that we will know that the Holy Spirit goes where we go, does what we do, says what we say, Father, that it is you and you alone that are enough. So, Father, I thank you, God, right now for the Spirit of God to give people strength to walk away from things that they need to walk away from, walk into things that they need to walk into. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. This morning, if you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, and you realize this morning, I need to repent of my sins. I realize that I've been the Lord of my life. And this morning, I need, to, I need to allow Jesus to come in to be the Lord of my life. That I've controlled it, I've dictated it, I've determined everything. This morning, I realize I need to give my life to Jesus. If that's you in this, in this room this morning, you say, that's me. I want to give my life and I want to give my heart to Jesus. If you would, just slip your hand up real quick and you can set it right back down. But I just want to know who you are so I can be praying with you. You said, that's me. Let's just pray this prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I repent of my sins. I ask you, Jesus, come into my life to be my Lord and my Savior. I believe you, Jesus, died on the cross for those sins, that you rose again on the third day to be my Lord. I ask you, Jesus, reveal the destiny and the purpose you have for my life. In Jesus' name, amen.